Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The following program is brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio. On the day of Pentecost, they were all in one accord, waiting for the promise of the Spirit of the Lord. One hundred and twenty gathered in one place, fervently praying for the Spirit of grace. When suddenly there came a sound of rushing mighty wind, the Holy Ghost began to be poured out upon all men. This is there, spoken by the prophet Joel. This is there, spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I pour out my spirit, saying, Pastor Bob, the Tell It Like It Is radio show, you don't even know this, but we had technical difficulties <coughs> to start with, but here we are live, uh, June 18th, 2023. You're listening either live tonight or later on on a podcast. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, I guess, you just put in Pastor Bob Simons and I come up, and uh, probably my beautiful face, who knows, I don't even know, but 
I know I've I've tested it out. I I tried it on Apple Podcast. I tried it. I think I even tried it on Spotify, and it came up. Uh, Joe Hostetler, Pastor Hostetler, is in the studio with me tonight. He he said he just wanted to come with. He didn't even want to do the show, so I didn't give much notice though either, did I? But it's good to have him here in the studio with me. This is kind of like old times. He used to be over here on the controls while I I did the um, speaking, and then we had a big joke back then because all the guys that used to work in the studio ended up one by one slowly getting married. And then uh, who was there? There was uh, we had Grant Scantling, Matt Ramsey, we had uh, Chris Chris Loman, I think for a while. Uh, you, Joe Hostetler, we had Michael Woods, yeah, Seth Springer. Abe Simons, is that all? Is this seven? I'm not sure. We're talking about 22 years of being on the radio. I'm just rambling. Good to have you with us tonight. I'm the pastor of the New Life Pentecostal Church, Dickinson, North Dakota, 501 Elks Drive, and we have our next service on Wednesday night at 7.30. Had a really good service today. Baptized two people in the name of Jesus. Very excited about that. I heard some good things about our Bismarck Church this weekend. I heard that they had 35 people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and about, um, was it 19 of those people were at the state penitentiary, is what I heard? And they baptized, I think I think I heard seven people, something like that. So um, they have a speaker, an evangelist, uh, Charles Robinette, that's there, and I guess they had just had some tremendous services. Hope to hear more about it. I did text their pastor, uh, Brother Paulson, earlier just to find out, because we had heard that that Brother Robinette was going to be down there. But I was excited to um, hear that news. Well, tonight I'm going to just kind of jump into my topic. There's a lot more we could say, but I would like to read Psalm 15, 1 through 5. I'm going to be speaking about what I spoke about in our church service today, and maybe if I have time adding a little bit more about uh, one of the areas that I'm going to be talking about. But it says this, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly, worketh righteousness, speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt, and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. So we have 11 things here that, of laws that allow us to dwell with God in his holy hill and to never be moved. Uh, many of them have to do with how we treat others, and they would all make a wonderful radio broadcast because we do need to treat others well and and speak well of others and not gossip and so on. But uh, I want to just zero in on verse 4. A portion of this says, He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. You know, I want to talk about this. Uh, the NLT says that somebody that keeps their promises even when it hurts. And the example I gave of in church today would be like, what if, what if my wife had a stroke and became an invalid, and and she could never, you know, make breakfast for me or rub my feet or my back or or could do anything for me, and. Uh, the scripture says you make a promise to your own hurt. In other words, I promised my wife uh, 45 years ago that I would be true to her. I would take care of her. I promised her. I promised her, her parents. I promised her family. I promised God. I didn't really know what I was doing back then, but I, I'll tell you this. 
even though I wasn't very spiritual when I got married, for some reason at my wedding, I, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks that I was making a promise. Like, like I, I mean, I couldn't hardly speak it out. I, it wasn't because I was nervous. It just, I was so serious. You know, I thought, I'm, I didn't even think about it till right then that I'm promising that I'm going to always stay true to her. Now, if it wouldn't have been for God, I probably wouldn't have been able to do that. But, but to your own hurt, you swear to your own hurt. I've told uh, many times, um, you know, I've talked about my pastor many times. He's dead now, Pastor David Walters. But his thing he wanted to do, you know, he gave his life. He, he was a very dedicated man and as dedicated of a person as I've ever really known for the gospel. I mean, he he's, he moved to Bismarck, started a church from scratch, uh, was our district superintendent, took care of our campground, uh, pastored many churches across North Dakota when they needed a pastor. He'd travel all the time, which gave me a good chance as a young minister to learn to preach because I was always filling in for him somewhere. But when he retired, his goal, his dream, because he liked the one hobby he had was driving motorhomes or, or pulling a trailer. He liked that. And his dream, Brother Hostetler, was to, he wanted he and his wife to travel all over the nation and teach his series on holiness. That was his dream. And he would go to, he said, I would, I would go to churches. I wouldn't need any money. I would set up my camper and I would just teach for like 10 weeks on their midweek service and then help them during their other service, pray with people and whatever the pastor, that was his goal. That was his dream. And, and he, that, he really wanted to do that, but he never really got to. And he, he got to, to the age where he got older and, um, I think his wife didn't really trust his driving, you know, like in a big motorhome anymore. And, and so he never really got to do that. But it just, there's a reason, though, that he didn't get to do that. Because many years ago, my pastor, um, we have a church in Harvey, North Dakota, and there was an old woman, it could have been her husband too, but I think it was an old woman that was getting ready, she was getting close to death, and she um, told Pastor Walters, she said, Pastor Walters, don't ever let the, this church close down in Harvey. Her and her husband had been instrumental in that church existing. And she said, don't ever let the church close down in Harvey. And he told her, I won't. Well, he swore. Now, swearing, we know we're not cursing God. But he made a promise to his own hurt because he never did. And now there's probably people listening to me from that church in Harvey now because that church always had a witness. That, um, and there's a lot to that story. He ended up becoming the pastor in three, three Methodist churches up there at the same time. You, that's not. That's quite the story. But this concept of keeping a promise to your own hurt. There's a hardness involved with this. There's a seriousness. There's a soberness. There's a, a, a resolve there. There's a, there's a price to be paid when you make a promise to your own hurt. This, um, you know. There was a movement here a few years ago called Promise Keepers, probably 20 years ago, a bunch of men. I, you know, honestly, I think it was a good thing. There was a bunch of men. These weren't these. This isn't about salvation, but a bunch of men, uh, you know, people that said, we're going to get a bunch of men to realize that they need to be promise keepers, like to their family, to God. And they had gigantic rallies in football stadiums. I never went to one. Uh, we have we have that own thing going on in the apostolic movement anyway, so it wasn't anything that interested me. But I have to say, 
it made me happy that there were men that were buying into this. So I'm going to talk about tonight making up your mind, setting your face like a flint. Um, you know, you know, making up a resolve in your heart. The, the Apostle Paul, he, uh, he's going to do what he's going to do for God, no matter what the consequences are. The Apostle Paul, in Acts 20, verse 22, he said this, he was telling the church in Ephesus, he said, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Like, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Then he goes to say this, except that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. So Paul was saying, I don't know exactly what's going to happen when I go to Jerusalem, but all the people, and of course the gifts of the Spirit were active in those days as they are today, and you'll read about a prophet named Agabus that that uh, prophesied uh, to Paul about him being bound. Uh, every, But this wasn't just Agabus. He said every city he went to, they were saying, if you go to Jerusalem, it's going to be bad. And Paul was like, I'm going. Well, he ended up eventually, of course, in Rome and in prison, and eventually uh, being killed there. But he goes on to say, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the, of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Paul said, I'm leaving. You're never going to see me again. And that was true church in Ephesus never did. See, Paul didn't care. Like, Paul had a good stubbornness. Paul set his face like a rock. You know, Jesus um, uh, was the same way. Luke chapter 9 and verse 51, now Jesus had been alive for 33 years, three years, three and a half years active ministry, and Finally, in Luke 9.51, it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up or he should be killed. He set, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now, I didn't realize that till this morning, realize this, but that was a prophecy in Isaiah 50, verse 7. It says, For the Lord God will help me. This is talking about Jesus. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. Jesus was hard like a rock when it came to doing what was right. Thank God he was. You know, Paul was like, nothing's going to stop me from fulfilling my ministry. And it doesn't matter what they threaten me with, I'm going to do it. You know, thank God for people like that. Thank God for, um, you know, somehow, you know, we're living in a society. I'm part of this culture. I mean, we're living in a society when the going gets tough, people just quit. doesn't matter what they promised, no matter what they said. When, when your marriage gets tough, you're just going to get out. You know, like, like we're living in a society that, you know, if it's too hard, you know, I, I run into people all the time. Yeah, I just quit my job. Why? Well, I got into it with the boss. Well, that's dumb. You know, you know, uh, maybe find a new job before you quit. You know, don't, don't, aren't you thinking about your family? You've got to, there are 
to do right, you've got to set your face. Um, you know, there somehow, no matter what happens, we've got to make a decision. And I, and I, I want to just this is not the whole program tonight. It's only half of my topic, but kind of like Joshua and at the end of his life, Joshua and Joshua twenty four fifteen, he he said this. He said, he said, if it doesn't seem right to you guys to serve the Lord, you know, the one true God. He said, if you would rather serve the gods back in Egypt or, or the gods on, on the other side of the Jordan River, he said, if you'd rather serve them, go ahead. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you read in the book of Joshua that all the days of Joshua he did. And all the days of Joshua, so did they. And all the days of the elders that lived with Joshua, they did. And my wife and I were privileged to go to Israel and see the site of Shiloh where that tabernacle stood for 370 years or something like that or 400 years. And that's because they had made up their mind, we're going to, we're going to do what's right. Now, they didn't drive all the inhabitants out like they were supposed to. But after the death of Joshua, then the people, they, they didn't have a made-up mind anymore. You know, we, we've got to, you know, make up your mind. There's got to be a resolve. If you're listening to me and you've made a start with God, it doesn't matter what happens. There's going to be a lot of bad things that happen. You know, I wished I could tell you. I don't wish I could tell you this because it's all part of our development. But, you know, this idea that I'm going to come to God and everything's going to go well, that's not necessarily true. You know, but you have to make up your mind. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens to me. You know, it doesn't matter if you were accused of a crime that you didn't commit and now you're sitting in prison somewhere. You know, there was a man I read about years ago in one of our Pentecostal churches in Modesto, California. He was driving along and on the freeway, and there was an accident and somebody was killed. Well, he was a good man in the church, loved God, you know, had served God faithfully, and they said, the skid marks said you were going in excess of the speed limit, and he got charged with manslaughter. And this good man, this good church, godly family man, headed to prison. But you know what? I mean, I, I read an article about it. It was in a in a little magazine. I read a, a Pentecostal Herald or something. And this man decided, I'm going to live for God anyway. And I don't have the article in front of me, but I'm going to say it was dozens or maybe more than dozens of people in the prison that he reached with the, with the uh, Acts 238 message. And he eventually got out of prison, kept going back to church. Now there's a bunch of people in that church that he met in prison that are going to church with him. You know, who knows what God's doing? But you need to set your face like a flint. You need to make up your mind and just decide, you know what, I'm going to do what's right and it doesn't matter. Hey, I, I didn't even say hello to everybody. A bunch of people texting me. Uh, I'm not sure if I'll get to everybody here, but let's see. see I'll run through it quick. We got Carl and Jeannie listening, Yvonne and Marin. Oh, Timothy's listening. Happy Father's Day to you, Timothy. We've got his family. Brother Jones listening. Brother Griffith listening. Uh, Raul listening. Good to have all you guys. You can text me tonight, 701-290-7862. <laughs>
your life's out of control, don't you know? You got to have a made up mind. If indecision has pained your heart, hold on to the truth. Make a new start, don't you know? You got to have a made up mind. Tell it like it is radio show. I've got my onboard theologian, uh, Pastor Hostetler, in the studio with me tonight. Thank you all for listening. Sister Yvonne said, did you bring your guitar? I said, no, I didn't. All right, I, I'm telling her, no, I didn't. Uh, we got, um, let's see, uh, and now uh, Brother Andre, Brother Timothy said, there's five Andres listening in Wisconsin. He's got me confused. I'm not sure exactly what that means. He's got he and his wife and two kids, so I don't know what that means. But anyway, 
there's five of them. I don't know if there was dogs listening or, or what. I'm not sure, but I'm sure he'll tell me. All right. Well, we are talking about you got to set your face like a flint if you want to do something for God. If you want to, uh, if you want to uh, be successful with God, you've got to have a resolve. You've got to have a backbone. Uh, as the songwriter singers just said, you've got to have a made-up mind. Uh, there needs to be a hardness. There needs to be a uh, the spirit that Caleb had in the Old Testament. You know, this is my mountain. I'm 85 years old, but God promised it to me, and I'm going to be stubborn about it, and I'm going to hold God to it. And I'm, you know, I, I think I think that you know, I, God's pleased with that kind of stubbornness and that kind of made-up mind. But tonight, I want to contrast this with another type of hardness, a hard heart, uh, the wrong way. I said in church today, I'm going to say it again, and, and it'll make sense to you as I go along, but heaven is a place for those who have set their face like a flint, like a rock. Hell is also a place for those who have set their face like a rock, like a flint. And you say, well, how could they both be like that? Well, it depends on what you set your face, what direction you're setting your face. Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem to fulfill the will of God. My pastor, when he moved to Bismarck, he was told by a group of ministers, that, you know, maybe down south, maybe in Michigan, but nobody's going to accept a holiness preaching here in North Dakota. People aren't, people don't know about it. They won't be interested in it. Pastor Walters told me or said when he was preaching, he said, they don't know when I left that meeting. I had just about thought of giving up and moving back to Michigan. But when they told me that, I thought, I'm staying. Because he, he was a fighter. And, and here again, if you're fighting for the things of God, if you're fighting for righteousness, that's a good thing. But what about fighting against God? What about a hard heart against God? What about a hard heart towards others? Now, the example I gave in church, I'm going to give on the radio today, and many of you that are listening <coughs> that are married or have been married <coughs> for any length of time at all, We'll under, I think we'll understand this. But you can become hard-hearted to your spouse. Uh, you know, you can be hard-hearted. Um, you can, uh, hopefully it's only for a short period of time. Hopefully it's just for a few moments. Um, but I think if, I don't know if I can say all married people know what I'm talking about, but I think, I'm going to say that, all married people know what I'm talking about. There, there, there is a shutting down sometimes a going silent or uh, or uh, turning within or even possibly harsh words that should not be spoken. Many times it can do with being hurt. It can be doing with self-pity. Unfortunately, it can have a lot to do with self-justification. In other words, there might be a man that says, you know, my wife doesn't want to sleep with me anymore, and so I'm not going to treat her good. And he doesn't care anymore. And if it continues... Uh, and, and many times people do this to win an argument, like like they're fussing over nothing, and then they both become stubborn, and then that hardness sets in. And if it continues, uh, the end result of that will be, be certainly what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 19 and 8. He said unto them, they asked Jesus, is it, is it okay if people get divorced for any reason? And Jesus said, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, he said, he, because of the hardness of your hearts, 
to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. In other words, when people in marriage get hard-hearted, and if they don't fix it, they get divorced. But Jesus said that's not God's will. And it never has been God's will. You know, the heart, once a heart becomes hardened, it's very hard to speak to it. There's a disconnect. There's a shutting down. There's, um, you know, like right now, if this computer that I'm sitting in front of, this this uh, radio station, the studio that I'm in front of, if it started saying shutting down in 30 seconds, I'd get pretty nervous. You know, I'd try moving the mouse or doing something because, you know, I don't want it to shut down, but that's exactly what a hard heart is. It shuts down. There's a, a, a I don't care attitude. Um, you know, that's a dangerous thing. And I'm talking to people that don't know the Acts 238 message, and I'm talking to people that do. But when your heart becomes hardened to others, uh, you, you, you better be really careful. You know, the Bible says that we need to be quick to forgive. Jesus said when you're with your adversary in the way, you better come to an agreement quickly. And I'm going to tell you married folks, when you're fussing with, maybe somebody's listening to me right now and you're fussing with your wife. Went in your basement and shut the door and you're listening, you know, you made a mistake tuning into this program tonight. Because I'm going to tell you, that's not, and I've been there. I'm not, I'm not telling you I haven't been there. I've been there. But this, this, uh, it's not right. It's not good. You can turn your heart into stone. And you can get to the place where you don't even care anymore. You can get to the place that you don't even care what the consequences are anymore. And you can begin to write other people off. That's a terrible place to be. It really is. You know, it really is a terrible place to be. Dangerous. And at different levels, it can become very dangerous. Look at the Nazis. Look at the war criminals in history. Look at the Rwanda genocide. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, the Columbine massacre, you know, um, you know, these, these are all things that happen because people begin to, you know, you, you, your, your children were killed in a bombing and now you don't care what you do to the enemy. But the problem, folks, the enemy that killed your children isn't the one you're killing. It's not even revenge. It's revenge against a whole group of people. And this, this is the hardening of heart. This is the reason for crime. This is the reason for divorce. The hardening of our heart against others. and we, uh, Even the hardening of heart where we don't even care what happens to us. You know, these, these shooters that walk into public buildings and schools and kill everybody and then just pick up the gun and shoot themselves. And it's probably good they do, in a, in a sense, because it probably gives some peace to the victim's family. But the point is, they don't even care. They don't even care what happens to them. You know, there, there are signs of, of a hardened heart. Words, eyes, actions. Don't care about anything. You know, they're, they're, you know they're, I, there was a guy one time years ago, and I shouldn't have done this, but this man, I mean... There was demonic influence in his life, too. But he and I were out in the Badlands, and he had a smoking habit. And Pentecostals, we preach against smoking. It's not 
Like it's not the top list on my sins, you know, but it's we preach against it. And he and I were, he always wanted to wrestle, and we were wrestling, and while we were wrestling, I felt a pack of cigarettes in his front shirt pocket. And I don't know why I did this. I'm not saying I wish I wouldn't have done this, but I intentionally squished the cigarettes. I squished, squished the cigarettes. I don't know why I did it. Well, he got mad, and he got up, and this is what he said. He said this. He said, I'll never quit smoking. He was mad. And then he said, I'll die smoking. I'll go to hell smoking. And I said, I called him my name. I said, you don't mean that. And I, I did try to apologize to him because he lost his temper. you know. But the point is, why would you say that? See, there's a hardness that you don't even care anymore. You know, there, there, there's a hardness that you don't even want to know what's right anymore. What What is the root of this hardness, you know? Um, you know, I've got several things here. You know, I'm just expanding on what I preach in the church today, but sin can cause a heart hardening. You know, uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 3.13, he said, be careful because, he said, exhort one another daily while it's called today, for, lest any of you should be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So sin can cause a hardening. You know, sin can cause a desensitizing. You know, the things that you used to think were evil, now you don't, because you're hardened to it. Unbelief will cause hardening. You know, I mean, many scriptures about this. Um, You know, you look at Pharaoh and Exodus, uh, how uh, he hardened his heart. He didn't believe. Um, He he didn't... uh, you know, uh, pride can cause hardness of heart. You know, um, you know. I guess now this month is called Pride Month. I guess they want to celebrate um, <coughs> homosexuality or whatever. <coughs> and I thought, well, they couldn't have picked a better name for it because it's one of the end results of pride. You know, pride pride can cause a hardening of sin. You know, you look at you look at Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter five. It says, but when his heart was lifted up. And his mind hardened in pride. He was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. You know, pride is a way to harden your heart. Real hurt in people's life can cause a hardening of the heart. And this can be very dangerous. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew six fifteen, But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So, uh, and I know people don't think that's right, but I didn't write that. In other words, so you've been the one that's been hurt, but now your heart's hardened and you're going to go to hell? Doesn't sound right. But here again, I'm not going to argue with Jesus about it. You know, um, disingenuous believers can harden our heart. You know, um, health issues uh, for us or our loved ones can harden our heart. The death of a loved one can cause people's heart to be hard. I've seen people walk away from God because of stuff like that. You know, the age and, and life, you know, can harden people's hearts. Uh, getting your hopes up only to be crushed can harden your hearts. You know, th- th- all these things can be, you know, self-pity can harden your heart. I'm just reading off lists of stuff I have here. You know, uh, this this is uh, one of the worst types. Um, seeing evil abound 
all around us can harden your heart. Jesus said in Matthew twenty four twelve, and because iniquity, talking about the last days, shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. You know, uh, one of the things, reproof can harden your heart. You know, when you are reproved, you can start hardening your heart. Proverbs 29, 1, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck, and shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Those are scary words. Without remedy? No remedy? You know, you don't want to play games with when your heart starts getting hard. You know, as I said before, uh, two married people, when their hearts, or even one of them, when their hearts start getting hard, that marriage can fail. If, if there's, and there's, if that heart will not respond, then there's no remedy. You know, <clears throat> this, let me, let me just say this, I, and it's not really in my notes, but it kind of is in my notes. But hard-heartedness has to do with self-justification. In other words, I know I'm wrong, but I have a right to be wrong. You know, um, I say this, we didn't get to go to the jail today. They canceled our service for some reason. But I, I've been going to the jail for I don't know how long, long time. You know, from different different venues. You know, uh, I've been to the state pen. I well, there was a youth prison in Mandan. We we've been in this county jail for years. My wife and another lady in our church started a jail ministry in the New England, and that's been many people have done that over the years and have filled in. Got a great team doing it now. But most of the time, the people in jail don't scare me. Like you know, like people say, aren't you scared to be with those people in jail? They're just like everybody else. You know, a lot of times just made some mistakes. A lot of drug users, a lot of drinkers. Um, so, you know, when you're under the influence, a lot of things can happen. Still your fault. you got to pay the price. But, but when you're sober, you're not scary. But some of the people that have scared me over the years are the people that, that have hardened their hearts through self-justification. Like, like they'll, um, kind of like this, you know, yeah, I robbed that person, but I never had anything in my life, and they've got everything. That's scary to me. Or, I raped that person, but she was dressing, you know, she was she was asking for it. That scares me. Like, nobody's asking to get raped, folks. You know, I believe in modesty, but nobody, that's, that's ridiculous to say something like that. You know, trying to blame other people, but there's a hardening. And, like, somehow you're trying to make yourself feel better about making a bad decision. You know, like, well, you don't understand, I was beaten as a child. That's why I'm in jail. Well, there was a lot of people that were beaten as a child that weren't in jail. There's some people, if they were beaten as a child, might not have ended up in jail. And I'm not talking about beating, but I'm talking about a good spanking. You know, and i got to say that because I don't want anybody to think I'm talking about child abuse. But, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you that, that uh, children have a good spot on them that needs a pretty good swat once in a while just to get their attention, and I believe that pretty strongly. But, anyway, that's a different show. But what about people that harden their heart towards God? What, what about that? You know, I, I should play a song here and take my breath. Let's see. My song got all mixed up. Here we go. Let's try this one. This is a Bill Farron song. Text me tonight, 701-290-7860. I've tried everything to be the man I'm supposed to be. 
when I fail, the enemy speaks to me, whispering in my ear, you might as well give up, to try again would just be one more bitter cup. So when the darkness sets in and I've lost my way, my dreams seem shattered and I've blown another day. My only hope is in the one who died for me. Teach me, Lord, to be the man I'm supposed to be. I've got a long way to go to be like my Lord To stay the same is one thing I cannot afford My wife and family need someone who will leave I've got to die so you can live in me so I plead that when the darkness sets in and I've lost my way, my dreams seem shattered cause I've blown another day. My only hope is in the one who died for me. Teach me, Lord, to die and be the man I'm supposed to be. Fails your faithful when I fail to please And when the pressure's great it drives me to my knees Into that secret place where you can transform me Into the image of the man I'm supposed to be So when the darkness sets in and I've lost my way my tongue has shattered lives and I've wasted yet another day. My only hope is in the one who died for me. Transform me, Jesus, into the man I'm supposed to be. Change me, change me, Lord. That was Bill Farron, the man I'm supposed to be. This is the Tell It Like It Is radio show. Pastor Bob, you are listening tonight, June 18th, 2023, or later by podcast. And um, 
sometimes I get texts from people that listen on podcasts and tell me they're listening, and um, sometimes I can't answer those, but 701-290-7862. My email is robertsimons58 at gmail.com. We're talking about setting our face like a flint, like a rock, to do what's right. And I believe if you don't do that, you're not going to make it. I think that you've got to make up your mind. Uh, years ago, when I first came to God, even before I had the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I remember in a church service one day, I made some promises to God. And, um, and I know we can all do that, and I know we can get emotional and dramatic, but I told God, I said, you know what? I don't know why I don't have the Holy Ghost, but I promise God that I'm going to serve you till I get till I get the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life afterwards. And certainly there's been temptations, certainly there's been situations that weren't perfect, but I'm, I'm in this thing for the long haul. I'm planning on going to heaven. I'm not planning on messing up, but if I do, I'm just going to get up and keep going because i got to go to heaven, and I don't want to mess up. i got too many people counting on me, but but I'm just saying you got to make up your mind. Um, you can't just quit. You know, I can't believe over the years what people have quit serving God for. I mean, for just nothing. You know, um, the people quit serving God because their pastor hurt their feelings. Uh, people will quit serving God because somebody in the church hurt their feelings. You know, you got to, you got to, you know, you got to, um, you know, I said this, I didn't say it like this in church, but you know, Daniel, the prophet, he was castrated as a boy. That's a terrible thing. He was, he was, um, he was captured as a slave that castrated him. That's a horrible thing. But don't you believe for an instant that Daniel wasn't a real man? Now, that sounds funny to me to say that, because people think manhood has something to do with that. Daniel was a real man, because he made up his mind. I'm going to do what's right. And when the king said nobody prays to any other god for 30 days, Daniel, he went home, opened his windows. Doesn't say he prayed louder, but I think he did. <laughs> I think he prayed louder, because he was, he was, he was, a man, like, he was stubborn. Like, oh, you say I can't pray to God for 30 days? No, he could have went home and kept his window shut and still prayed to God. They'd have never known. But he did that, and they threw him into a den full of hungry lions. This real man that was stubborn and set his face like a flint. How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They said, they said you can't, you know, every time you hear the sound of the music, you've got to bow down to the statue we set up. And if you don't, we're going to throw you into this furnace and burn you up. Now, I can think of a lot of ways to die. That's not one that I'd really like to do that way. You know, maybe it would go quick. Maybe it wouldn't. I don't know, but I, I wouldn't want to die that way. seems like it would be kind of terrifying, especially when they're getting close and throwing you in. But <clears throat> these guys, they had a made-up mind. But don't harden your heart against God. Harden your heart for what's right. You know, people will shut God out of their of their life with a hard heart. You know, Setting your, you know, I, I've met people that have walked away from God and they, when I try to tell them, you know, like, I mean, not, not all backsliders are like this, but some backsliders are like, man, your family's all going to be lost. And they're like, I don't care. I mean, it's weird, you know, cause you'd think that would be like a soft spot for them. You know, I, I, I don't care. You harden your heart. You know, can anybody speak into your life 
when you've got a hardened heart? Can a pastor speak into your life? Well, yeah, as long as I agree with what he's saying. Well, what if what he's saying is the Word of God? You know, I've never been one of these pastors that said, you better listen to me because I said so. But I will tell you this, you better listen to me if I tell you what God said so. <laughs> you know, if I'm, if I'm telling you, if I'm t- preaching the Word of God to you, you better listen to that. You know, I, I'm not trying to be negative, but I, I ha- I've had people over the years that have hardened their heart to the point where I've got a theory, and you can, you know, email me or text me if you think I'm wrong, <clears throat> but my theory is that everybody in hell is there because of a hardened heart, and they're mad, and even if they had another chance, they wouldn't get out. Now you say, what about Lazarus and the rich man? Well, maybe. I know he was concerned about his brothers. But what about those people in the book of Revelation when those great hailstones were falling on them and they were hiding under the in the caves and the rocks, and the Bible says they blasphemed God. They, they should have been crying out for mercy like the people of Nineveh, right? But these people were so hard that they were still... Is it possible that there are people in hell that are like, you know what? You know, I don't care what God says, and I don't care what God did, and this is unfair, and he didn't understand me. Is that possible? Maybe. It's just a theory I have. You know, when you harden your heart, you know... Where's the end of that going to be? Jesus, there's a great debate. Uh, I suppose it's not great of a debate, but there are people, let me just say this, people that disagree with me on this, and I'm not going to say they're wrong, but here's here's the deal. Judas, I think, could have repented. Now, when I say that, it people are like, well, it was prophesied that there was going to be somebody that, that ratted out Jesus. But my question is, did it have to be Judas? Um, the only scripture I've got really to back my side up is where the Bible said God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And in the in the book of Ezekiel, God says, do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked? Or rather that the wicked would turn from his wicked ways and live. So anyway, you know, that's... Don't base the whole radio show on that. But but what I'm saying is, is Judas saw all the miracles, he heard all the words, and he hardened his heart. And the Bible said at the Last Supper, they were sitting there, and Jesus dipped a piece of bread into whatever, some gravy, and he handed it to Judas. Now, he had just got done washing Judas's feet and all the disciples. And the Bible said, after the sop, John thirteen twenty seven, Satan entered into Judas. And Jesus said unto him, that thou doest do quickly. There was a shutting down, a disconnect. There was a hardening of the heart that was so hard that Satan could use Judas. You know, unfortunately, or fortunately, to do God's will. You know, um, uh, th- this, you know, this, this, uh, I was just talking to a pastor from Texas about a situation that he and I are involved with. And, um, and he told me that I, I got to be careful on the details here, but he offered somebody a way out. 
And they told, he's their pastor, and they told him, I've already made up my mind. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Don't harden your heart. In fact, Proverbs 4.23 said, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That, that Hebrew word, keep, it means to guard your heart. Don't let it become hardened. When you start feeling that, you know, begin to fight against it. You know, I want to say this again. Heaven is a place for those who have had, have set their face like a flint. And hell is a place for those who have set their face like a flint. <coughs> Make sure your heart is hardened the right way. And I like, I've had the experience in my life to be around a lot of people that have a made up mind that have decided to live for God no matter what. You know, um, Job, he's a classic example. You know, the devil, some of these things I say all the time, but the devil believes we're all losers. The devil believed. He believed Job was a loser, and he told God he'll curse you to your face if you take everything away from him. But Job had hardened his heart to that which was right. And he wasn't going to curse God to his face. <laughs> he had some pretty pretty strong questions for God, which I think God was okay with, although he did really talk strongly to Job at the end. But even when Job's health was taken and he was in severe pain, he wouldn't curse God. Even when his wife said, why don't you, his wife said, just curse God, and he wouldn't curse God. You see, how is that? Well, there's a resolve there. And I don't necessarily think God does that for us. I think you've got to do that for yourself. You know, I, I think you you have to, <coughs> you know, don't harden your heart against God, but harden your heart against evil. Harden your heart, you know, like Joseph in the Old Testament, his his he was a slave, and his slave owner's wife tried to entice Joseph to be commit adultery with her. She was married to his boss. But Joseph had hardened his heart. And this is what he said. How can I do this great sin against God? Like, how can I do this? See, that's hard. His heart was hard. And that's what I'm saying today. Make sure your heart is hardened in the right way. Now, if you want to get a hold of us during the week, first of all, let me tell you this. If you want to be saved, I always try to say this, and I didn't really get to say it. If you want to be right with God, I don't want to end this program without telling you. Acts 2.38, the birthday of the church, they asked Peter while he was preaching. They interrupted his preaching, and they said, Man and brethren, Acts 2.37, what shall we do? Peter, they were pricked in their heart. They felt guilty about what Peter was saying. And Peter, and he got up in Acts 2.38, and he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Salvation, the born-again experience, being born of the water and spirit, consists of surrendering your life to God. That's what repentance is asking God for forgiveness, then being baptized, which means being dunked all the way under the water, and when they do that, they say, in the name of Jesus Christ, they say that over you, uh, believe it or not, most churches don't baptize that way, they don't, and, and uh, if you have any questions, 701-290-7862, I can give you those answers, and then the Bible says you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we today we saw two baptized in the name of Jesus that's the plan of salvation. Now, if you want to come to church this week, uh, 
uh, in Dickinson. Our next service is Wednesday night at 7.30, Sunday mornings at 10, and, and Sunday school at 10, worship at 11. Hey, if you want to come to a men's Bible study at 6 a.m. on Friday morning, we meet at Hardy's. That's kind of neat. We had a big group there last week. That was cool. Um, so that's what's going on at Dickinson 501 Elks Drive, New Life, Pentecostal Church, Dickinson, North Dakota. In Beach, we've got the House of Prayer. They have church at what time on Sunday mornings? 10 o'clock. And on, on Wednesday, Tuesday nights, it's at 7.30. Uh, Brother Hostetler's the pastor. He's in the studio here as quiet as a church mouse. He, um, But anyway, that, that's right next to the family dollar in Beach. And I don't even need to know the address. That's all I need to know. You'll get there. And then in Bowman, we have a church Wednesday nights, 7.30, Sunday mornings at 10.30. And, and so in, in Beulah, we've got church on Sunday morning, Wednesday nights. Got churches Bismarck, Mandan, Newtown. Uh, we have. Uh, I'm just telling the ones in the area. Minot. So uh, there's churches Williston. So we've got Pentecostal. If you need information on how to get to these churches, I will get you to them. Okay, Lord Jesus, tonight as we close this broadcast, God, I pray that there is a hardness of heart, but it's the right direction. God, help us be hard, God, when it comes to to doing what's right, and even if everything is against us, God, that we can set our face against the wind and walk in the face of adversity because we have a resolve, we have a, a, God, we have a a desire, we have just a a strength, a hardness, but also, God, help us to be soft and tender when you tell us what to do and help us not to be hard against you and help us not to be hard against others either. Today we just pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're playing... Pastor Joe Hotstetler's favorite song on Bill Farron's CD. It's called The Captain. Tune in next Sunday night, 8.06 Mountain Time, for another Tell It Like It Is reading. Everybody, Pastor Bob, coming back in. I'm going to announce this to anybody that knows, but uh, Tim and Maddie are having another baby out in Wisconsin. So, congratulations to them. For you went to Calvary, hung on that rugged cross, and you died for me. When distractions come and they try to steal my praise When temptations and trials try to overwhelm Won't you lead me to the rock That is higher than I Navigates raging seas from the hell. When I'm too tired to press forward, all I can do is stand. 
Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The preceding program was brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio.